You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is Dukes and Bell. Mark Zeno's in for Mike. It's a pleasure and a privilege to have on our next guest. Uh, mm. And Mark is right. We both enjoy this guy a lot. We have a lot of fun with him behind the scenes, uh, and you guys get a chance to read him uh, with The Athletic, longtime columnist with the AJC as well, Jeff Schultz, joining us on the waitforward.com hotline. You put that article out, Jeff, the other day about the money and what it looked like from the Braves' standpoint and why Dansby obviously had no choice but to take this deal with the Cubs. And I think a lot of Braves fans were like, what? It, 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 it sounded like a low-ball deal. How do you explain that? Or can you? Yeah, I think I, I, I think there are two things that um, at play, guys. And thanks for having me. Um, one was I, I think the market got way bigger than maybe Alex Anthopoulos or really almost anybody expected. And I don't mean that there weren't going to be bidders for Dansby Swanson. There were, but when you saw the contracts that were given to the first three shortstops off the market, you knew that. Um, whoever didn't have a short, who basically lost out, was going to sort of raise the stakes for Dansby Swanson. So I think that was one thing. Um, and then I think the other thing is, you know, if there's one thing that um, Alex has been really consistent about since he's taken over is he's given long-term deals to two guys extraordinarily early. He gave two to rookies last year, which people we were all kind of looking at ourselves. Um, and I think Alex is looking at himself like, am I really doing this? Um, but he doesn't like to pay money to guys who who they who he believes will be in their diminishing years so if he believes he can get three or four good years out of a guy he doesn't want to be paid that's fine and he's more than happy to give money in short-term deals but he doesn't want to give that same level of compensation on a five six seven year deal and so that's where that obviously impacts guaranteed money um, if you look at all of the, I want to say he gave out maybe six long-term contracts over the past year. Yep. All of those contracts, I think Austin Riley and Matt Olson, those are the only two that take them until they're 35. I think everybody else takes them to the early 30s. Um, and so I think that was at play here. Um, I, you know, whether you agree or disagree, that's that's kind of what he does. Uh, I think he, I, I think he wanted Dansby back. I think much like to some degree he wanted Freddie back too. Uh, but I think there's a there's a limit to his want, and and his limit was you know the reported figure is 100 million dollars, which you know if he offered that to Dansby before the season that would have been fine. Um, if he offered Freddie Freeman the contract that they offered him at the end before the season that would have been fine, but they didn't do that, and you know the players you know bet on themselves, and in both cases I think it, it paid off. Jeff, when you uh, when you look at this, it's Zeno, by the way. I know you miss me. Um, when you look at, terribly, Mark. I know it's, it's this feeling is mutual. Trust me. Um, but <laughs> no, 
I, I guess you have two of your cornerstone pieces depart two years in a row because you refuse to pony up the dough. Now, you could argue right. this year was a little bit different because it was a $70 million gap between what he got and what he wanted. That's really hard to bridge. I'm, I'm more concerned with the fact that you were $70 million off with your initial offer because if Alex right. didn't know what those other guys were going to get and wasn't feeling out what they were going to get, then shame on him. He's, that's his job to know where that market was before it got where it was. But beyond that, I think it sends an awful – like, if I'm Max Freed right now, I'm already looking for houses somewhere else because there's no way they're resigning me because I'm going to get 200 – even at worst, if I have two years like I just did this year. God forbid he wins a Cy Young. He's definitely gone. But – you know, right. if he has two more years like he had this year, there's no way they're ponying up $250 million for him. And that's what pitchers of his ill get. Yeah, and it, it, the Max Free, there are two situations that are going to be really interesting to, to see how they play out. One, one is Travis Darnot, who has been really good as the starting catcher, and the team just made a trade for a starting catcher. So I understand that, that Anthopolis says, well, we're going to platoon, and, you know, I'm sure Travis will get some time is dh but he he's not going to be start you don't you don't you, you don't make a trade like that and give up where they give up six assets including an all-star dh last year as a rookie um to make to get a guy unless you're going to be playing him all the time um and I'm talking about sean murphy so so i think how travis darno if he's not traded comes to camp will be in, interesting and max is the other one and max has including this offseason, I think two years of arbitration left. So theoretically, he's still, he's still a couple of years from free agency, but he can't be very happy at all. And I, you know, we can talk about all of the position players and certainly, you know, jumping so soon on a long-term deal with Michael Harris. But I think the Spencer Strider deal, as great as he was, and he was great, that's what really turned heads because you just don't normally commit like that to a, a rookie pitcher. Remember in baseball, you have six years of salary control. You have three years before they even get to arbitration, and then you have three years of arbitration in general. And so I, Max is sitting there, and I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating now, but knowing most players, he's probably sitting there thinking, what the hell? What about me? I'm, I'm right here. And so he has been this team's best pitcher for a while now, and I don't, I don't know how things are going to play out. And, and again, when you are a pitcher, the, the same thing is going through both minds. The team, you know, teams don't like to commit long-term to pitchers because they break down in the end. And pitchers want to get that long-term deal because they know they break down in the end. <laughs> so um, that would be very interesting to see. Jeff Schultz, columnist, guys, for The Athletic. You get a chance to read him. I want to shift gears and talk about what's going on with the Hawks. It's been top of mind here the last few days with Zeno and I on the show. Yeah. And yeah. now Travis Slink steps down. All right, I, I just want to get your interpretation of what's going on <laughs> with this situation. We've debated. We've gone back and Smells forth. Smells funny, Jeff. What, what's going on with these Hawks, Jeff? Okay, I, I don't mean to avoid the question. <laughs> okay. But there's some situ- there are some areas and some subjects, areas of subjects that I can't talk about right now because I can't write right now. Um, I, and I realize you know, even saying that people are going to say, what the hell and this and that. But I will just say that there have been things going on internally in the Hawks organization in the front office for a while, maybe at least since the summer. And, and it hasn't been a good situation. Um, the team hasn't obviously played well. And granted, they've had a lot of injuries. Um, and, and the whole you know, Travis is not general manager anymore. 
he's now just the team president and we're bringing in Landry Fields or, you know, pushing him up to GM. And nobody has a problem with Landry Fields, by the way. He's a, a young guy, smart guy. Everybody likes him. Very good guy. But it all seemed very weird. Tra- Landry still answered to Travis, but Travis was very, very much behind the scenes. He, he, he um, didn't want to be out front, I don't believe. Um, didn't really do media stuff. That's fine. Um, so Landry was pretty much the voice on everything, but he still answered to Travis. And now this sort of happens in the middle of a season. And in fact, not even in the middle of the season, we haven't, we're about a third of the way through the season. So it's not a good situation. Um, that on top of all the Trey Young stuff that, you know, that, that has happened, um, Trey himself, Trey's relationship with Nate McMillan, um, Trey, how well is he really blending with DeJounte Murray? Not that they don't like each other or anything, but this, this whole trade was only really going to work if, if they were both great players at the same time on the court. I don't know that we've seen that yet. Usually one or the other has been great, but maybe the other guy was off the court at the time. And so if, if one of them is not giving up the ball or sharing it to the other one and they're not really getting in a flow, it's not, the trade was a bad trade. Um, and if you're not, contending at the top of the Eastern Conference, the trade was a bad trade. We haven't even talked about John Collins yet, <laughs> okay? I mean, we haven't even talked about the salary cap issues or the luxury tax issues they're going to be facing soon. So they got problems. And the unfortunate thing, I'll just wrap up with this, is it wasn't that long ago when they were the young darlings of the NBA, <laughs> the rising, young, talented, fun team. Mm-hmm. And, and it would not shock me if things got worse before they got better. Um, but we'll see how they play the rest of the year. We'll see what happens, you know, before the all, before the all-star break and, and before the trade deadline. Um, Tony Bressler is, is is, he's, he's similar to Arthur Blank in that he's emotionally and financially invested. He's also similar to Arthur Blank in that he doesn't have a lot of patience. So, um, so we'll see, we'll see how it, how it plays out the rest of the year. But I, I will just say that I'm, I don't feel really good about the Hawk situation right now. Would you call it philosophical differences at the top of the organization that has led us to this? <sighs> Whether it's roster construction, team building, whatever it may be? I think, I think you would not be inaccurate to assume that there's been some disagreement at the top on some things. Jeff Schultz, got to ask you. <laughs> well, well, wait, wait, Very tactful. Wait, yes, way to stay in there. Uh, we got to ask you about our, our Falcons because they play tomorrow. Desmond Ritter is the, is the story, obviously. Um, I think you had it first when you, you, you said, hey, they have told yeah, Marcus yeah. Mariota that he is not going to be the starter. And it, it became a blank storm because then we didn't know the guy was going to basically walk out and say, hey, I have an injury that I have, I have to deal with which I thought was completely, right. you know, crazy. Uh, it, was, it, was cons- bull. it was bull. Yeah, considering yeah. <laughs> we, we didn't know anything about it. Yeah. What's, where, where are the Falcons with their uh, evaluation on Desmond Ritter? I get the sense, Jeff, they really like the kid. They feel good about him. And, and I think, you know, four games may be enough for them to say, hey, we, we can do this with him and make our team better in other areas. How do you feel about the Ritter situation? Well, I, I hope four games is enough because that's, that's what they've left themselves, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I mean, I, I I personally would have been more comfortable with with six, but obviously they knew the situation, and it got to the point where they they thought, okay, we got to do this now or never, and we've lost four out of five anyway. I think is what they had lost at that time. So um, I think they really liked um, 
how Desmond Murray reacted. We all saw how that game against the Saints started last week. And as I wrote, that would have been a very easy way to go into the tank and melt down when you're down 14 nothing after seemingly 12 seconds. And, uh, and you've only had the ball once. And he didn't. He actually got a little better as the game went on. He, and he looked good, I thought, in the fourth quarter um, and was driving them to what could have been a tying, a tying field goal or the winning touchdown, if, if not for the fumble by Drake London. And so I think that's what they were really – that's what they are going to lock on to after last week is – his poise, his cool, um, and and the fact that the game had started to slow down a little bit. Um, now, having your second game, even though the Ravens don't play Lamar, aren't having Lamar Jackson this week, play, having you play your second game in Baltimore is not easy. That's a really tough place to play. In cold weather, loud fans, you know, traditionally a good defense, um, and they're a good team. And so, It'll be a really good test for him to see how he how he bounces back. Um, I think they like him, but I don't think they're at the point of this is our guy, and I don't know if they're going to be at that point until they kind of look at all four games and look at their draft position and look at free agency and um, think about who they could get in a trade. I do know I do know that next year I think it's fair to say they want to take a significant step up. They're going to have cap room. They're going to be able to add some pieces, whether it's on the line or or give them some more weapons and certainly add guys on defense that they need. Um, so, you know, they can't, it can't be a maybe kind of decision that with Desmond Ritter after this year, it doesn't mean they would cut him, but if they're not sure that he's ready yet, I think they'll go out and get, another and get somebody else. Yeah. Do, do, yeah. do you think in, in a sense, that's more of they would get a quarterback that's already in the NFL as opposed to using the draft capital on one? Because, again, you can solve both pro- – you can still get other complementary pieces and address the quarterback. There's plenty of quarterbacks out there that can play right? Uh, uh, that are available, and you've got cap room for all of them if you wanted to trade away assets or whatever it may be. Do you think it's it's an either-or kind of deal where they're, they're, they would commit to the draft with Desmond or they would actually look for a ready-made quarterback in the NFL? I- yeah, that's a possible answer. I think it would depend on, number one, what do they think of Desmond Ritter? Is he not going to be ready now, but he might be ready in a year or two? Um, and and then what could they get in trade? The only thing I know for sure, uh, I, I think this is Terry Fontenot's philosophy, but I know it's Arthur Smith, is he thought, unless you think this guy's absolutely going to be 100% all pro or something like that, it's a waste of money to draft a quarterback up high on a bad team because you're basically wasting his first two or three years of his contract when you got no assets around him, you don't build around him. And I think the theory after this year and free agency um, that you will have some room on the cap, that you will be able to field a decent team next year, regardless of who's at quarterback. So that might give you a little more, make you a little more comfortable to do whatever. Um, But I, I think in terms of whether they, sign a quarterback in free agency or, or trade for one with a couple years left, a veteran type guy um, or draft one will depend who's available, what the team looks like and what they think of Ritter. It's just, it's impossible to kind of project that way. 